Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with my co-host, co-pilot, and co-conspirator, Leanne Whip, and high atop the radio world here in the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland. And we welcome all of our affiliates on the Barbecue Nation and USA Radio Networks. We'd like to throw our thanks out to... Uh, Painted Hills Natural Beef from the heart of the Pacific Northwest, beef the way nature intended. You can check them out online uh, at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. Great stuff. In fact, I was just over last weekend at their 25th anniversary. What a party that was, but <clears throat> that's just going to remain between me and them. Uh, we've got a real treat today. You know him from television, uh, the Food Network. Uh, he's been on shows like Iron Chef America, Best Thing I Ever Ate, Cook Like an Iron Chef. The Chew, uh, he's a writer, he's done books, he's done magazine stuff. Michael Simon is joining us with us, and his new show, Barbecue USA, is out on the Food Network. Michael, hey, buddy. How are you doing? Man, I sound like I've done a lot of stuff. It, it never seems like that much when you're doing it, but that, that I, I'm impressed. Yeah, that, that, you know what yeah. he didn't say is that you were a chef. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot that part. Yes. Lost, if I Lost in the accolades. Yeah. yeah, Michael, if I'd have read all the stuff you've done, it's four pages here. We'd have to go to the first break before you ever got to say a word. So, <laughs> Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 50s now, so I've had a lot of time to accomplish stuff. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, there I you get go. that. Well, you don't look it, that's for sure. No, you look yeah. great. Yeah, keeping uh, busy keeps you young, right? Uh, yeah, very excited to have you on the show. What? Oh, it's excited to be here. What prompted you... Uh, originally when you were younger to get into cooking, we'll get to the barbecue part in a bit, but just generally cooking and what, what really stimulated your interest in that? You know, I, I know it sounds a, a little cliche, but I, you know, I grew up in a very food driven family. I have a Greek Sicilian mother. Um, so food was always really a big part of our lives. You know, my mom, until I was uh, probably like 13 was a, she stayed at home and took care of my sister and I and, and, you know, cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner, basically. So uh, our whole life kind of revolved around food. And, and you know, when, when, when your mother's Greek is Sicilian, she cooks a lot, you eat a lot, and you cry a lot, you laugh a lot, you scream a lot. It's all basically the same emotion, but there's a lot of emotions always. Um, so, I, you know, I just fell in love with the – like, my mom was the best cook on the street by a lot. So I, I really fell in love with watching people come to our house and just the happiness that ensued because of the food that they got to eat that she prepared. And, and it, it sucked me in and, it, you know, it just brought me in. And then, yeah, I got to high school and um, I, I was a pretty good athlete and had, uh, you know, came from a very middle class family. My dad worked at Ford Motor Company um, and 
I excelled in wrestling and, and had some like scholarship offers and things of that nature. And then had a, a pretty insane injury where I, I don't know if you could say like, there's a big zipper on my arm, but I got a, oh, a yeah. plate, 14 screws and, oh. you know, destroy my arm in a wrestling match, tried to come back from it my senior year and broke the plate. Ow. Uh, so what were, you know, I thought wrestling would be, would pay for college basically. Um, cause my, you know, my parents really weren't in the position at the time and, and, you know, the scholarships kind of went away. So I started working in restaurants to, to help pay for school and just absolutely immediately was addicted to it. Like just, I was a terrible student. I mean, an awful student. Um, so like barely made it through high school, probably wouldn't have if I wasn't a jock and, uh, just fell in love with the restaurant business, like head over heels with the restaurant business. And I remember I, I said to my father, I'm like, you know, I think, I think I want to go to culinary school and, and like be a chef. And he lost his mind. He's like, you know, you're, you're like, uh, I was the laborer. Your grandfather was a laborer. You're, you know, and at the time you have to remember this is the eighties. There's no food network. There's no, it wasn't like this. What people perceived as a glamorous job. You know, I still don't think it's a, a glamorous job in the sense of, you know, it's a hard, very hard job, but, um, you know, he's like, I, I don't want you being a tradesman. I want you to get a degree. And so I went to Cleveland state for a semester because he wanted me to go to college. And I, uh, and I got a point two, oh. <laughs> not a two point, a point two. And he's like, how'd you get a point two? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't go to a single class. Someone gave me a D, which I thought was very kind of them. So I obviously like that didn't work. And then, my Greek Sicilian mother got involved and said, you know what? He wants to go to culinary school. He's going to culinary school. We're not talking about this anymore. End the conversation. And off I went to the Culinary Institute of America. And, um, you know, the, the rest obviously has worked out very well for me. Absolutely. So a question about your mom. How did she combine Greek and Sicilian dishes or those flavors that are so associated with those? You know, Greek and, and Sicilian or Greek and Italian food blend together so nicely. They're so similar in so many ways. Um, so, you know, sometimes she cooked Italian, sometimes she cooked Greek, sometimes she melted the two together. Um, but, yeah, just a tremendous cook, especially with that type of food. Like if you told my mom to grill a steak, she would destroy it and hammer it and it would be a, like a like a tragedy. Mm. Um, but like anything that's like a braise or a pasta or, a, you know, anything kind of slow cooked in that she probably would be great at barbecue. if like she had the interest in it because mm -hmm. she excelled in food was like, you know, asabuco or like mm -hmm. a, a lamb on a spit or, you know, those yeah. kinds of things. But like, if you just give my mom like a ribeye, like she'll cook it to inches of its death. <laughs> like she doesn't believe anything should take less than three hours to cook. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, that's yeah. good. You know, that's funny because my dad was a, grew up on a farm and his meat was always pan fried. It was potatoes and gravy and some sort of beef every night. Once in a while, pork chops it was yeah. a real treat to get some spaghetti, which was nothing like your mother's, but it was it was OK. But I. I went away to school and when I came back, I learned what medium rare was, you know, and right. that that was a huge change in the household. I'll just leave it at that. But it was huge. So, yeah, it, it's fun. Like I, my dad did all the kind of like that. Like my dad is is 
you know, knock off the horns and wave it over the heat kind of guy. Mm. Yeah. But he is, he figured out right away that my mom, like that's, she's can't cook those things. Like he's a, my dad likes his meat. Like he's from Pittsburgh and that's how he likes his meat. Pittsburgh oh, Pittsburgh style. style. Yeah. Jarred and rare in the middle. Yeah. Well, that's that. That's interesting that you come from that background. So when you when you get to culinary school and you're starting to learn and when you come home, did you work in the kitchen with your mom ever? And did she say, no, that's not the way we do it? Or was she accepting well, yeah, to, yeah, to think? Like, you know, I cooked with my mom a lot as a kid. And then, like, I would get home and like I'd say, mom, try this. Oh, now you're a chef and now you're going to tell me how to cook. I mean, like. <laughs> You have to understand that my mother's four foot ten, ninety-five pounds, and I'm scared of him. My dad, six foot four. I have zero fear of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got I got that. That was a lot like yeah. my house. So yeah. her weights are bigger than my mom. You know, and like like she, you know, when I I still when I see her grab a wooden spoon, I still get a little like a little twitch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Those wooden spoons hurt like hell, man. Ooh, man. They they can yeah. do some damage. So after you went through CIA and you were doing the, you were working in some restaurants, how did you gravitate over to, you know, kind of live fire cooking and, and barbecue? I know it's a transition and it takes a while, but what, what kind of was your emphasis or empathy, whatever that well, E word is. You always cook with those. A lot of live fire outside of my house as a kid but the big transition for me was um my, my first chef job was at a, a restaurant in cleveland ohio called piccolo mundo and i was actually hired as the sous chef and about three weeks before the restaurant opened the 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 chef quit you know and so i ended up being the chef i was not ready to be an executive chef i was 22 years old um you know, thought I was hot and, but way in over my skis. And the restaurant was owned by a, a restaurateur named Carl Pagliata, who ended up being a tr tremendous mentor to me um, and still is. Uh, <clears throat> and the whole restaurant was live fire. So we, we only had four burners on the line. And then we had a giant wood burning oven, a giant wood burning grill, and a vertical and horizontal spit. Um, and you know, I just fell in love with that manner of cooking. You know, I just quickly understood that the amount of flavor that you're able to infuse from cooking over live fire is significantly better than, in my opinion, than, you know, cooking with a, with a, a pan on a stove. Sure. Um, so it, it became like a very big part of my arsenal. Every restaurant that we've ever owned or built has those elements in it. You know, when we opened our, our first restaurant, Lola in 1996, it had a big wood burning oven. We had a small smoker, you know, we were making all our own bacon and, uh, you know, we were, we were smoking briskets and things like that, not in the traditional like Texas sense, but sure. using like, we would like smoke beef cheeks to fill our pierogi with like those kind of things. Mm. Um, so you know, live fire cooking basically from when I was in the restaurant business from 22 until now, um, you know, 52 uh, was just an, like a really big part of me as a, a cook and a chef. Do you remember the first thing you ever you personally ever cooked over live fire? 
Uh, well, yeah, for, for me, you know, because of my heritage, it was, uh, you know, lambs and goats over spits for mm. Greek. Yeah. You know, and that, that was from when I was, you know, uh, a kid. Kinda. Yeah. And really like kid, kid, like five. We're going to take a break here on Barbecue Nation. We're going to be back with Michael Simon. We're going to talk about his new barbecue show, uh, Barbecue USA on Food Network, right after this. Please stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to uh, Barbecue Nation here on the Barbecue Nation and USA Radio Networks. We'd like to thank Gunter Wilhelm Knives. You can check them out at GunterWilhelm.com. If you want to email us, just go to the website, BarbecueNationJT.com, and there is a little thing you can fill out and ask us a question, make a comment. If they're nice, I'll answer them. If they're not nice, I give them to Leanne. Mm-hmm. And uh, Thank you. Yeah, I know. I'm always kind like that. <laughs> We're talking with uh, Michael Simon today. Michael's got a new show called Barbecue USA on the Food Network. How do you pick your where you're going to go, who you're going to feature, what you're going to talk about? Well, you know, this was the first season. Um, and so, you know, we've, I, I think we've learned a lot about all of that as we go. You know, if there's a season two, I think we'll we'll expand our boundaries a little bit. But you know, initially, like uh, some of it was just based on the time frame that we were filming. Like, you know, most of the big events in that in the time frame we were filming were KCBS events. Um, so that kind of dictated a, a good amount of what we did on the show. And then sure. we, we finished in Memphis in May. Um, so and then and then the teams, you know, like some of some teams we have, uh, you know, like most of the of, Events had around 70 teams. Memphis and May obviously had a lot more teams than yeah. that. Um, you know, some of the teams I already knew, some of the teams, you know, we researched who did good in these events the year before. And then some of the teams, when we got there, we just loved how they were going about their business. And, and I mean, one good thing about the barbecue world is there's never a lack of characters. No. <laughs> <laughs> that like, is true. You're never like you never go to a barbecue event and go, man, I wish someone had a little bit more personality. Like if (laughs) one person with some personality, we'd be okay. Like it is a cast of characters, you know. Um, So we a lot of it was just discovery once we got there, you know, unlike a lot of cooking shows where, you know, you do two shows in a day or a show in a day or, you know, that kind of thing. Like it was basically taking us three, three days or more to do a show. So. Um, you know, I would show up at the, wherever the event was, we would get there at like two in the morning, you know, in the pitch dark and just walk around with cameras and see what everybody's doing and start talking to people and then build the process from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was plenty of time for golf in between events. I'm I'm sure. (laughs) I was coming over between events. I still have restaurants to run. (laughs) I thought maybe you threw your clubs in a production truck somewhere and stashed I wish, them. I wish I, you know, then I would be back to being like a one, two, three handicap instead of a six, seven, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I get it. I get Leanne says she plays, although I've never seen her swing a golf club. 
Well, it's hard to do it when I'm on the radio with you, but I, I do swing. I'm not very good, but um, back to your show. I will say that I have watched and uh, enjoyed them. And, I, and the fact that I know you're kind of, you know, tied down to the KCBS, but I did see the GBA and I like that you integrate uh, the other associations into it because a lot of the KCBS people don't look outside that, you know, circle. And uh, it, it was very interesting to me. And also what I really liked about it is I learned from it, you know, and and even though I've been cooking a long time and you think, you know, everything you don't. I mean, there's always like little tricks like that little mesh tea thing when she was. Oh, my God. That, right. that. <laughs> I look up it and I'm like, are you kidding me? How, I, how could I have ever thought of this? I'm an idiot. Like it was so like, like. It's almost like obvious, but you don't think about it. You know, yeah. you have your fine dusting on your final product right before turn in, which most people use shakers or they use their hands and it's inconsistent. Right. And her tapping that little tea thing. Oh I was God. just it like, was... that was the, my biggest takeaway so far. <laughs> well, yeah, like the, the shows that I enjoy doing, the sh- what I always try to do in a show is, is you know, at, at, the, at the end of the day and in the beginning of my day, I'm a chef. You know, so right. I always want to like, I want you, obviously a show has to be entertaining. It has to be fun. It has to keep viewers interested, but it's always important to me that there's takeaway and that they learn something. Like I, I feel that no differently than when I had these young cooks coming into the restaurant and I felt the responsibility and it was my job to get them to the next level. And I think of it that way a lot when I'm doing TV too, like for the viewer, like, let's learn some things along the way. And I, like you, I, you know, you think you've seen it all, but there, there's not a, an hour that goes by that I don't learn something new and different every time. Um, yeah. Let's see how they go about it. And, and quite frankly, like for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a restaurant chef, you know, and, and in, in the barbecue restaurants, you know, same thing. Like, I don't do competition barbecue. You know, I do restaurant barbecue. And so like for me, it's a lot of learning experience even through that process, you know, yeah. and I agree with and some I don't. And when I don't agree, I tell them. And um, but I, I enjoy watching the process nonetheless and just seeing how they go about it. Like, it's just so weird to me that like I'm like, someone serve the point, damn it. Like, why? Like, you know, like, like yeah, well, like, yeah. Like, oh, we're not going to put the burn on it. Burned on, burnt ends in. I'm like, oh, why? <laughs> you know, and like, why? Like, like, I mean, I would never seem a brisket before I cook a brisket. You know, I cook a brisket, you know, so. Um, it, it's I, I like, feel like your show really, sorry for interrupting. I feel like your show really dove in and, and really showed behind the scenes, I know just from doing pit master shows that they say, okay, just tell them what, tell us when you don't want the cameras in here. But I felt like the cameras were very welcomed by the teams and people were really revealing what they do. And I found that very interesting as well. So great job yeah. there. I, I, well, I think too. And, and I mean, you and I have worked together before and, and I, I think it by this point in my career, you know, in television, like, I think people know that they could trust me in the sense, like I, I'm not here to make anybody look bad, uh-huh. you know, I'm great. And I, I want people at home to realize how great they are at their crap. So like, I always tell them like, look, this whole, like, it's a secret. Like it, it's not really, everybody could find it out nowadays. There's the internet to this, to that. It's not like 
you know, when I started in the restaurant business, if you saw a dish at a restaurant, the only way that you could learn how to make that dish at the restaurant was to work at the restaurant or to know the chef or to know a cook that worked there. Uh-huh. You know, now you could go online and find a million different things and find how people do everything. So I think that whole, it's, you know, it's a secret thing. I've always thought it would like, people would ask me one of my recipes, I'd give it to them immediately because at the end of the day, that's why wouldn't you want to share something that's delicious? And even if it's a competitor or fellow restaurateur or chef or whatever, like they still have to execute it. That's very cool. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Michael Simon, Leanne, and myself right after this. You're listening to Barbecue Nation on the USA Radio Network. Hey, everybody, it's JT from Barbecue Nation, and my friends down at Smoky Bones have come up with a great summer special for you. For a limited time, get the Rib Feast for only $19.99. Now, Rib Feast comes with a house rack, two sides, garlic bread, and a drink, and that's when you actually eat at the restaurant. Smoky Bones, the masters of meat, well, they have about 63 locations from Illinois all the way down to Florida, and they bring you fire-grilled favorites and barbecue platters every day for lunch and dinner. And it's great stuff. So find a Smoky Bones near you and enjoy their summer rib feast special, only $19.99. That's Smoky Bones, the masters of meat. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT along with Leanne. Today we're talking with Michael Simon and we'd like to thank again the people of Painted Hills Natural Beef from the heart of the Pacific Northwest. Beef just like your grandpa used to raise, if your grandpa raised beef. Um, you can do that and it is beef the way nature intended. PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com And of course we're on a bazillion different platforms out there so you can find us um, very easy. But um, instead of me telling you that, I'd rather talk to Michael here. When you were filming this, Michael, and hopefully you get season two and stuff, anything that you saw, like the little um, tea shaker, I'm not saying that right, but you know what I'm talking about. Anything of those, are you going to integrate that or have you integrated that into any of your restaurants? Yeah, you know, we we continue to play around with some things. Um, I still, I haven't gotten any yet, but this whole like, this duck fat spray. Oh and yeah. I was like, people, I'm like, what the, what are they spraying? What is that? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, are they spraying Pam? So what are they spraying? You know, I couldn't figure it out. Um, and I'm like, Oh my God, that's duck fat in a, in a can. Um, yeah. Like, so like, that's something that is super interesting to me, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Like I'll, I'll I, I will work that into my arsenal, both in my barbecue restaurants and in my, you know, I think a lot of them were using it for presentation purposes to give it a sheen, but, uh-huh. but for cooking purposes, I think it definitely has a place. Um, yeah. And, and you could use it as dishes, like even at home and like, instead of buying like my poor wife, she's not a, a vegetarian anymore, but she was a vegetarian for 35 years and she'd go in the fridge and it looked like a, you know, like a fat convention in there. Like I'd have beef fat, <laughs> fat, pork fat, you know, you name it all in like little tubs everywhere. And um, so like to be able to get done that a little spray can, I'm not <laughs> and, you know, that like, so some of those things are um, fun, you know, the, 
a lot of the things I think that people do in like I've eaten at um, a lot of these people's restaurants, and and I know that the one, like not all of them have restaurants, but the ones that have restaurants, what they're serving in the restaurant differs a little bit from yeah, from yeah. What they're doing competition. Um, you know, so but it, it it is interesting, and it is like you know. I saw people injecting ribs, you know, it, it's not something that I would do, um, right. but it, I do find it interesting, you know, um, and I learned something and like, oh, did that infuse more flavor? Did that do this? Did that, you know, so uh, the, the process is, is very cool to me and, and very fun. And what I really wanted people to see, though, um, I wanted them to see great food. I wanted them to learn techniques along the way. But what, what I really wanted them to see was this really just tremendous community, you know, like when, when I kind of quote unquote broke into barbecue 14, 15 years ago, you know, I could have very easily be considered an outsider. I was this fine dining chef that, that was always intrigued by live fire cooking and, and loved smoking food and, you know, and all those things. And, and like 15 years ago, Mike Mills took me in. You know, and he's like, you're my guy. I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to introduce you to all these people. And, you know, you were one of the first chefs to put barbecue guys on TV. And, you know, so mm-hmm. it was. Um, and it, it was so amazing to me because the chef world could be a little bit cutthroat, you know. Um, but like I was like when Mike was walking me around and introducing me to people, like I was, and I don't know if it was cause it was Mike or what, or just, but like people just embraced me and, and like, let me into their world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And for the viewer at home to feel that, like, this is how this community is. This community has a heart, you know, and they care and they come from different backgrounds and do different things, but there's this real sense of community there. And, and you know, in this day and age in the world to see people quote unquote competing, but getting along like that, I think is just a tremendous message to, to how things should and could be. Yeah. I think that's spot on because, um, you know, yeah, they want to win, but they also want to have a good time. They, that is part of their extended family, that barbecue community, that wherever they're competing at, that's all part of their family. And, and like you say, uh, they'd probably beat each other over the head with a brisket if they screwed up, you know, but at 10 minutes after all the turn-in times are done, they'll sit down and have a beer with each other. So yeah, yeah they're having beers and shots during the competition. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's just Leanne. That's not even. <laughs> yeah, there's some traditions that have kind of become extended in the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> right. I'm like, what's that alarm going off? They're like, oh, first drink. I'm like, it's 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we get off the air, I'll share with you a picture, Michael, that Leanne, uh, somebody sent me from South Dakota. Oh, is, uh, no, North Dakota. North anyway, Dakota. We, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, you, you're right, though. It's the camaraderie. And the thing that's so special about barbecue is that you can bring your kids. You can be, bring your grandparents. It isn't restricted to a certain age group. So that also is, you know, 
I think it's it's commendable as well. So. Yeah, and I mean, I, look, I, for me, food was always the one thing that brought people together, and and uh, you know, it, it was Greek and Sicilian food when I was growing up, but it brought people together, brought people around the table, and and that's where discussions happened, and that's where we learned our lessons, and that's where we learned about life, you know, and and I think barbecue is out of any style of cooking. Um, does that more than any style of cooking like there's just something about it that brings a group together and and you have this this kind of natural camaraderie about it even if people disagree on things and even if like some person thinks that like the only barbecue in the world comes from texas and then someone else thinks no it, it comes from kansas mm-hmm. city no carolina's no like there's that kind of funny like i it, to me it's kind of entertaining um but you know at the end of the day um, you know, it is a style of cooking and a culture of cooking that just brings people and communities together. I don't want to get on a tangent, but I am curious as a uh, restaurant tour person um, in this day and age with your restaurants, um, are you finding it nearly, you know, impossible to make it uh, a profitable business? Are you hanging in or like, what's, what's your thought right now? Um, you know, we have, uh, during the pandemic, we had, I mean, we closed Lola. Lola was open 27 years. Oh. Um, you know, that was my baby. That was the restaurant that put me on the map. That was everything to me. Um, but it was very fine dining and, and, you know, like people were like, do carry out. I'm like, oh yeah, just what people want, you know, mm-hmm. carry out you know, foie gras and, and caviar. Um, <laughs> it just didn't, we couldn't retool it for the COVID and post-COVID world. And we lost a couple other places and we leaned out a little bit. And um, but we're, you know, margins aren't what they used to be, but mm-hmm. we're continuing to fight through it. The hardest thing for us right now, quite honestly, and not just us, everyone is is labor, you know. Mm-hmm. So um I, I think a lot of people in the restaurant business uh like everybody that I know that was in the restaurant business that's not in the restaurant business now, it's not like, like people are like, oh, look, they're just not working. They're all working. They just have taken different jobs and they realize like, oh my God, I could work nine to five. You mean I could have a job where I work nine to five and then I'm home at 530? Yeah, I'll and have that. weekends off and have weekends yeah. off. I yeah. think I'll do that. Right. And I don't have to work holidays. Uh, well, okay, what was yeah. wrong with me all these years? Right. So- <laughs> When, like it's the only thing I know I've done it my whole life. I know it's the only thing you know you've done, you know. Yeah. So, but when you do it your whole life, you, you don't even realize how the rest of the world functions. But I, I think what happened during COVID was a lot of people are like, I could do what? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah. yeah. Well, you know, here, I don't know where where you live, Michael, but here there was two things people could do during COVID. They could barbecue at home and they could play golf and I'm not getting off on a golf tangent, which I sometimes do, but I think that gave them the opportunity to maybe think about things, you know, like you, what you were just saying about, you know, when this is over, I, or I took a job during it because it was the job I could get and it's not a bad thing. You know, right. like you said, I've got the got the weekends off. I get three day weekends once in a while. Whatever the story is, I think that's what happened to a lot of, of uh, restaurants. For Liz and I, you know, Liz and I opened our first restaurant together twenty six years ago. We 
been working in the restaurant together since 1989. So in restaurants together. So even for us, like we reevaluated things like we just thought differently, you know, like our kids are like Kyle's third, I have grandchildren for Christ's sake, you know, so, um, but it, it allowed us to, you know, Simon's dinners on food network happened because all production was shut down. So we shot the show mm-hmm. out of my, with my, you know, niece, um, shooting it on her iPhone and it ended up on food network, you know? And so like, we just figured out things and were able to kind of change things about our lifestyle um that i don't want to say made life a little easier easier is not the right word but it it allowed me to spend a little bit more time with my family it allowed me to see my grandkids a little bit more you know see kyle a little bit more um and and just reassess even how i went about my day-to-day life yeah so you know i don't think anybody was a hundred percent sure how people would respond to that, but they've responded great. So that's great. Cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool. I can gonna... finally, or I could finally afford that hair weave. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a break and Michael's going to show us his weave coming up uh, <laughs> on this on barbecue nation. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Leanne Whippen. We've got Michael Simon with us today. Um, one question I want to ask you, what is it? Because somebody will send me an email if I don't ask this question. What's your favorite barbecue protein to cook? Is it is it ribs? Is it chicken? Is it brisket? Is it tri-tip? Is it steaks? What is it? I mean, it's it's not a traditional barbecue cup, but I, I mean, I love doing pork belly. Um, you know, they're probably leaning back into my chefiness a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say... If I had to list them, I would say pork belly, whole hog, brisket. That's good. That, that'll that keep you busy, all of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really will. It's my backyard full of a bunch of stuff, which Liz doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that I can, I can imagine. I can imagine. When you're doing the show, and you, you mentioned it in an earlier segment, and you saw something that you you don't agree with or you don't understand why they're doing it and you said you tell them do you do you kind of emphasize that in the show or do you uh um, yeah, just kind of subtly do it well i don't tell them i ask them like i'm just curious like you know why why do you guys do it that way like what's the thought process behind this and, you know and what i've learned a lot of you know what i'm continuing to learn about barbecue competition style barbecue is like with KCBS and things of that nature. It's like, you know, it's, it's, these people are very smart. They know what's winning and what's not winning and mm-hmm. having success. And, um, and you see things change. And it, so it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, wait, do you see how like Memphis and May, how they cooked the whole hog and won? it, it, it it's going to blow your mind. 
it, it still doesn't make sense to me, to be quite honest. Like, no, when they told me that they were, well, I'm not going to blow the show, but when they told me way before that they were going to do this, I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I like, okay, I like the idea, but I don't get it. <laughs> and I mean, I, I ate it right, right off the thing. And I was just like, uh, I was flabbergasted. I mean, like, I'm like, I, 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 I don't get this. I don't get it. So, I mean, I think America is going to be like when they, and, and that's the great thing about the show. It's like mm-hmm. caught a lot of those things in, in all different episodes with different products. It was like, you know, here's a team that just said, this is how we're doing it. We don't care. And we think it's going to win. And it did, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, it's cool to see. I mean, it's probably no different, like with a lot of the stuff, like I remember the, the, um, you know, the first time I saw the robo hog and, and it was like, these people are insane. You know? <laughs> and then they won. And then all of a sudden everybody's got a robo hog, you know, yeah. or yeah. some kind of action like that. So it's, it's, uh, it, it's great to see people trying new things. It's also great to see people like really sticking to their guns and they're like, this is how we do it. You know, win or lose, this is how we do it. Right. Um, and they don't change. And, you know, like try to convince Myron that he's doing it wrong. See how well that goes, you know, like, not. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'd rather be drugged by a tractor, really, because that's that's about as much fun as you'd have doing that. I can, I can be sure that what's the what's one thing that you've learned in doing the show, not on the technical side as far as television, but on the cooking side, one thing that really sticks out to you besides the tea strainer. <laughs> um you know a, a lot of these um i i've never i've never cooked on the you know the upright barrel smokers before right. like that back heat situation so um you know seeing how those work and getting to play around with those a little bit and actually joe pierce sent me one so i have one sitting in my oh. back here yeah he's good like that that's um, awesome so like and and look i what, 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 what I've learned and I continue to learn is, you know, like I learned how to barbecue on offset smokers. Like that's what I learned on. And so in my mind, that created the best barbecue. And then you see another piece of equipment and you're like, ooh, you know, and, and then like as I go, I continue to learn and realize that, you know, no different than a traditional kitchen, different pieces of equipment do certain things better than others. Mm-hmm. You know, I still, no one could convince me that like anything's going to make a brisket better than an offset. That's just my opinion. Are you, you know? um, are you traditional kind of like old school, low and slow, or have you learned or tried the hot and fast meth? And what's your opinion of the two? I, I've tried both. I've eaten both. Um, I haven't been able to nail the hot and fast brisket. I mean, the first time I had it at Mueller's, I was like, holy crap, this is insane. Like, why am I wasting all this time? Uh-huh. But I haven't been able to replicate that success myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, but like, you know, uh, like I, I, I'm not a 225 person, but I'm certainly not a 290 to three and a quarter person. Either. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like right in that like 250, 260 range. And like for me, that's where I've had the best success with brisket. 
Interesting. But they also don't rap, you know, like a lot of people, you know, like the beach paper and the rap and, um, you know, at our restaurants, we, like if I'm at home making a brisket, I'll rap. But like, you know, at, at Mabel's in Cleveland, we're, we're going to do 1,500 people in a day, you know, we don't rap. I yeah. mean, we rap yeah. out of the smoker, but we don't, we don't, we don't rap in beach paper during the smoke or Texas crotch or anything like that. Um, well, again, the, you know, it's a, it's a profitability, right? You've got added labor, added ingredients, added supplies, and you just can't do it. Well, yeah. And I also feel too, like when you have a, like when you have a smoker filled with, you know, 700 pounds of brisket, there's a lot of natural moisture just building up in that smoker that's keeping uh-huh. everything like super juicy and right. you know, especially Cleveland and it's humid as hell. Like there's plenty of moisture in the air. And like, I mean, we've learned a lot when we opened up Mabel's in Vegas. I was like, there's not a drop of humidity. Here. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and we fill our, you know, we have a big uh, oiler there because the place is so big. We have two huge oilers and, and we fill the bottom of it with, with drippings and water um, just to get some moisture in there because there's zero humidity in the air. Right. Are you doing Wagyu in your in, in your restaurants? I remember seeing a pushback of yours, but you were like, I can't do brisket or sell brisket for less than X amount of dollars. And everyone's like, that's crazy. And I get it because you lose all the money, you know, when you're trimming and cooking and what have you. But are, are, what kind of beef are you cooking in your restaurants? We uh, we do Creekstone. I love Creekstone. Uh, and we we get the Creekstone. We age it a little bit, trim it and smoke it. Very, very good. Michael Simon, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Barbecue Nation. And don't forget, like we said, his new show, Barbecue USA on Food Networks Monday nights. And man, has this been fun? I think this is the this is the most fun interview we've done in a while. Yes, I agree. And it's ranked right up there in the top two or three. (laughs) That's a bad guess on that, huh? (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna get out of here. Don't forget to stick around for after hours, Michael. Thank you. Um, What's your name again? Oh yeah, Leanne. Thank you. And we'll be back next week with another edition of Barbecue Nation. Take care, everybody, and remember our motto: Turn it, don't burn it. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.